You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, a, a, a Giants podcast for Giants fans. Bye, Giants fans. It's Sean Morash. Down, down, down the sideline, into the end zone. From the offseason through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step, step with your host, Sean Morash. All right, welcome into One Giant Step. Remember, always free on the Odyssey app and everywhere podcasts are available. I'm your host, Sean Morash, in a rare victory week, the second one here of the season for the New York football Giants as they beat the Commanders 14-7. Setting ourselves up as producer James, uh, you know, was hoping for where I picked the Giants to get burned on a last-second field goal. Still kind of think there was a chance they could have got burned on a last-second two-point conversion. But nonetheless, positive vibes. The Giants have won a football game and now continue to embark on a stretch of, you know, debatable but winnable games. Joining us from the Star Ledger, NJ.com. Somebody doesn't flip hot dogs or hamburgers. His name is Daryl Slater. Daryl, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So let's just get into a quick little recap. On this game, it ends up 14-7. Giants hang on for dear life, get all 14 points in the second quarter. And we'll do a lot of Tarad versus Daniel Jones in a little bit as Twitter and X or social media just cannot stop loving themselves from Tarad Taylor. But as far as this game goes, uh, there was a report that came out last, I guess Sunday morning, might have been Leonard that had it, about Dable kind of taking over some of the offensive meetings. The offense did look like it was moving the ball a heck of a lot better. Um, it does feel like, you know, even though Justin Pugh was getting burned, his veteran leadership is helping that line a little bit. Tyree Phillips played well at right tackle. Uh, and this is, a you know, a team in the Washington Commanders that stinks, just like the Giants stink. So it hasn't been as much of a brutal schedule. You know, what do you think is the biggest reason, other than defense, which we'll get to in just a second, that things just felt and looked different on Sunday? Well, they were able to get some semblance of pass protection, and they were able to play with the lead. So they they were not necessarily as as one dimensional as they had been in previous games, where they had to throw the ball to catch up. They got competent line play, and they were able to push the ball down the field. You talk about the Jalen Hyatt deep ball. Uh, obviously, that would ice the game if Saquon Barkley hadn't fumbled the ball away later in that drive. So they were able to move the ball better. I mean, the bar was so low considering how poor they had been on offense. Um, but they were able to move the ball better and and get some semblance of production from their offense. Now, 14 points isn't going to win you a lot of games, but it's certainly better than what they were doing. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Dable had to step in and, and do more last week. That's his area of expertise. So I think did it did it pay off? Is that a direct correlation? I think perhaps, but they also, as you said, played a, played a winnable game against, at home against a bad team, and they won. Yeah, a team that they seemingly always either beat or tie. Uh, we've seen the – Snap counts completely increase here for Jalen Hyatt and to a lesser extent, Wandell Robinson, Isaiah Hodgins kind of getting put on the back burner. Does this 
feel like this is the recipe the Giants have to go, like where this isn't maybe necessarily about matchups and who they're playing, but going forward, this has to be a 1A, 1B situation where Hyatt and Wondell Robinson develop into their top two receivers. Sure, absolutely. I mean, obviously results will dictate how guys, you know, how much guys are going to play, but they need to get these younger guys in. You know, Hodgins is younger, but he's really not part of their future. Um, they drafted Hyatt and traded up to draft him for a reason. They're fascinated by his deep threat ability, and, and rightly so. I mean, they, this is a team that needs to push the ball down the field. They're the worst deep passing team in the NFL over the last three years. Uh, so that's why they picked Hyatt, and you, you've seen it. I mean, he played well against Arizona. He played well uh, yesterday, four total catches in those two games, all of them at least 30 yards. So that's why they picked him. And so, yeah, I think that that's sort of going to be their recipe going forward. Do you think the presence of Saquon coming back the last two weeks has had a lot to do with their ability again to push the ball down the field with defenses kind of eyeing in on Saquon? Or do you think that's purely coincidental? No, I think absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think they've been able to move the ball uh, and, and in terms of running it, it and make him a threat. Um, obviously, Matt Breida is a fine backup running back, but he's not right. Saquon Barkley. And so um, the ability to, to have defenses respect your running game uh, and not uh, just as they say, pin their ears back and go after what is a flawed offensive line. Um, yeah, for sure. All right. Now, before we get to the defense, one last thing that has to be touched on is special teams, which every week, I, I cannot believe that this is the organization where every week special teams has to be talked about. Now, they did get a block field goal, which was great, but fielding punts. I mean, Eric Gray, who feels like he's been force-fed, I know Dable was asked, whether this was just a matter of, hey, you're trying to justify a draft pick, get him touches. He cannot field punts. This I don't want to hear about the swirling wins. This has been an issue all year. But then Sterling Shepard goes back there after he, by the way, starts the game playing five straight offensive snaps, and he drops a punt. You feel horrible. Slayton goes there. I know they um, they added the guy from New England on Monday. I mean, how much is this you know, going to become a problem? And do you think, is it Olinsky, Olshinsky? Uh, is he going to become the punt returner for this team? Right, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Gunner is his first name. Yeah, we'll uh, call him Gunner. Who cares? So he he's been he's been. Uh, I guess that's ironic, right? Because of punt coverage, you have yes. Gunner. So he's he's the yeah you know, he's a candidate. Jay Sean Corbin, they signed him off the the right. Panthers practice squad. He's a candidate to go back there as well. The problem, you know, Gray, it's an unfortunate and almost unfair spot for him. He didn't really right. have a lot of experience in that area, so they're kind of. Um, you could argue, should they have kept Jamison Crowder? Well, look, I mean, like Crowder was is an older player who wasn't part of their future. On the oh. flip side of that, you're talking about a team where if they're going to win, they're going to win close, low-scoring games. I mean, we saw all the close games they won last yeah. year. So the margin for error is thin. So why why put yourself in a position where you can, you can lose that margin for error on something like a muffed punt? And yeah. so in fairness to Shepard, that's not his role. They need to get somebody back there who can at least competently field punts. Uh, and and go from there. And so, yeah, I mean, they got a big punt block, but this is a situation where Thomas McGahee's absolutely going to be on the hot seat. He's survived now, what, a couple coaching changes? And he's like a cockroach, Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know. I don't know if this is this is maybe it for him. We'll see. Now you walked me right into my next question. I was going to have for you, and again, this is Daryl Slater, Star Ledger, NJ.com. I am obviously a longtime Giant fan that respects Sterling Shepard, feels horrible about the injuries he's had in his career, and I understand that he's making minimal no money on this team. I totally get it. It is You just brought up Hodgins not being a part of the future. The And you could see the wide receiver room. And shockingly, they've been healthy there, where I think the Giants, to a man, probably padded all these guys in camp, assuming a lot of injuries would pop up. You know, I look at Jamison Crowder being able to field punts for Washington, like you mentioned, the margin era. And I can't help but think, are, did they keep Sterling Shepard here for leadership, nostalgia, and kind of 
it was so unnecessary where Crowder would have been a lot more helpful to this team just in the return game alone? Sure. I think that probably is, is part of it. Um, he he's here because he, you know, he's an established guy in terms of a locker room guy. And um, obviously he's not part of their plan. And, and you saw that reflected in the contract. I mean, they made him take a pay cut to even stick around last year. I was shocked that he resigned quite frankly. I, I was too. I thought they were just going to let him walk. I thought he was done when he tore his ACL last year. I thought he was finished with the giants and maybe quite frankly, finished in the NFL. Um, and, and that may be the case, honestly, next year. Um, but yeah, he's in, he's on the, on the backside of his career, a guy who's worked hard for this team. And, uh, but just, you know, the injuries have caught up to him and, and, and yeah. he's not, he's not a guy right now who can help them offensively. Um, now, if somebody gets hurt, he's an insurance policy. I think that's how they view him. Yeah, and that's fine. I was stunned. I, I was sitting in 146 on Sunday and watching Sterling Shepard play five straight offensive snaps to start the game. Now, obviously, yeah. the, the game plan changed, and he really wasn't a part of it after that. But, like, what is up with that even, too? Is that just, again, you feel bad you haven't gotten him involved? Let's let's try to see if he's involved early, and then we'll go back to playing the other receivers. just seems so weird there their forcefulness with just trying to take care of uh, of Sterling Shepard, just odd to me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they probably view things pretty objectively and it's maybe not necessarily ego grooming or anything like that, but maybe they just saw something there they thought they could take advantage of. I I, I don't know, but no, right. it and was a little odd. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they didn't because that first series was awful. Right. All right. Now, obviously the real reason they beat the commanders, you know, we can talk about offense all we want. They only scored 14 points. The defense for the second straight week, this defense was flat out bowling. I would argue three out of the four weeks, people seem to forget the defense played awesome versus Seattle. It was Daniel Jones that couldn't get out of his own way, um, kind of creating his own mess and, and battered and stuff. But three out of four weeks, they even had the turnovers versus Miami, but they couldn't play with that speed. Uh, there are guys up and down this defense that as a fan, I'm starting to fall in love with. What do you uh, you know, attribute the biggest turnaround for this defense being? eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, look, I, I, De, the Deontay Banks has really come on. I think that, you know. Doesn't look like a rookie corner right now. No, I mean, and he's going to have hiccups, but um, we all knew that. But he's got the confidence and the, I guess, maybe forgetfulness would be the right word, to move past bad plays and to continue to play confident. And 
let's see. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they match him up with Garrett Wilson on Sunday. It, you know, a couple really confident young players uh, in Wilson and Banks. And so, yeah, I think that's been part of it. Um, the fact that on Sunday their offense let them play with a lead so they could go after a, a guy who had been really vulnerable and Sam Howell to sacks. And they, they made the most of that opportunity, of course. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's been a big part of it. Um, they, they, like you said, it's been over their, their quiet kind of defensive progression here has been overshadowed by the fact that they've been losing. Right. Um, you mentioned all the bright spots they had against Seattle and Miami, and then they played great against Buffalo and they carried that forward and talking to Xavier McKinney after the game on Sunday, he mentioned, look, we, we, we go out as a defense and we say, we're going to try to beat the other team's defense, which isn't something you hear a lot of defensive players say, you know, cause I was asking him, I was like, yeah, the jets have a great defense and they like to talk a lot about how great they think they are. And he's like, well, we'll see, you know, I know they're not playing the Jets defense per se, but that's not how they view it. They look at it like they are going to have to win a rock fight like they did on Sunday. And I think that's where, where this game probably will go. Low scoring game. Yeah. And look, I, I know I could have big blue goggles and glasses on, but I'm very critical of the Giants often. I, I see the town on the Jet defense and the way the Giant defense is coming along. I mean, they got some names, too. Like, I, I don't think the gap can be that crazy as long as Wings getting answered, especially if Deontay Banks is developing. Now, Dory Jackson misses the last game. I don't know where he stands at health. We're taping this on a Tuesday. Obviously, we're going to know more on Wednesday, Thursday for a lot of these guys. Um, but do you think the Giants view Deontay Banks as their number one corner now, not necessarily a Dory? Well, certainly for the future. Yeah, I mean, and Adoree Jackson has not played that well this year, and part right. of that is the slot like, stuff. And yeah, he the was slot stuff. Pushed. But I mean, really, he he has played a significant amount of outside corner snaps. Um, I, would they trade him? I mean, the problem is like he hasn't played that well. He's dealing with the neck, so I don't know what he'd be. You know, if team would trade for him, he's got an eleven million dollars salary. Team would have to pay about half that. So, I mean, clearly, he's not going to be with the team next year, Adoree Jackson. I mean, they drafted Deontay Banks to be their number one corner going forward. Now, if he right. can take that role and seize it right now. I think they'd be thrilled because that's how they certainly yeah. view him for the future. And uh, one of my guys was becoming a favorite. And I was so disappointed with his camp, as was everybody. It feels like Cordell Flott is coming along as a nickel corner here. He makes a play seemingly in every game. Now, it doesn't mean he's having a picture-perfect game, but there's at least one play game where I'm like, damn, that's a great breakup by Cordell Flott. And I know that, again, that's a high investment on Joe Shane's first draft. People seem to forget he was a third-round pick there as well. That's another one of these young corners that I think has been a part of this because, again, when they're playing a Dory in the slot to start the year and Hawkins on the outside, now they've done this transition. It feels like that's helped a lot, too, having Flott be a little more reliable in the slot. For sure, and it lets them play Jackson on the outside, which is where he belongs. Flock can play either spot, but they really did draft him in the third round to be the guy who could replace Darnay Holmes, who you know hasn't quite frankly played that well throughout his career. Right. Fourth round pick, but they you know they drafted Aaron Robinson the next year, and Aaron Robinson just hasn't been able to get in the field. Then they tried where to- is he, Darrell? We <laughs> haven't heard any update on it. When I was at camp, he was yeah. at least running on the side. Where is he? Yeah, I mean, still on IR and still recovering. I think he had surgery in November, so it's just been a slow process for him. Clearly, they've moved on from him. And they finally perhaps feel like they have a guy in flot who can be their reliable slot guy. And also if they have an injury on the outside, he can maybe step into that role. He did do a little of that last year. So um, maybe I think now I've going forward after this year, they got to figure out, okay, they're going to have to have another outside corner. Will it be flot? And then they put somebody else in the slot or how do they handle that? Because Jackson will be gone. Banks will be the number one. Unless Flop Hawkins does develop, though, Daryl, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't loved Hawkins, but again, he's a six-round yeah. rookie, so. They need no. to see more from him. A hundred percent. All right, real quickly, one more in the defense that I have this. Clearly, we see the pass rush coming along. Dex absolutely ate. Um, 
Kayvon, you know, look, he's hit or miss on some of these plays, but you look up, he's top 10 in sacks in the league right now. So, you, you know, you ask him to get up to the quarterback, he gets to the quarterback. Uh, Micah McFadden, is this a case of like, hey, he's the workman-like guy we all fall in love with, or do they really have something here? Because he has just become a tackling machine at inside linebacker. And I know, you know, he's inside linebacker too. Okereke is the star there, and he's making a ton of plays too. But it kind of feels like Micah McFadden, this is going beyond like really cool story where he tackled a bunch of 49ers to this dude could play. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think he can. I mean, he is a classic case of a guy who really did not play well as a rookie and looked lost at times, especially in coverage, and has managed to settle down and take the next step in year two, having a you know an offseason in the system as opposed to getting thrown in right after the draft. Now, he wasn't ready to play last year by his own admission, and I think – you know, the extra experience here, he's blown past Darian Beavers in camp and yeah. he sees that job. I mean, and think about that. Think about that. It was, be- it was supposed to be Beavers right. off the ACL. Everybody was going to be in love yeah. with uh, McFadden wasn't good. I mean, he he looks more than just like a Tay Crowder plug and play. Like this looks like a foundational inside linebacker for this team. Sure, absolutely. And it's not necessarily going to be an every down role, uh, but what he does is, is so valuable um, in terms of being able, especially to stop the run, which is, you know, you look at all the games the Giants lost last year, especially, especially the Eagles. They couldn't stop the run to save their lives and they got destroyed against the run. They were a terrible run defensive team last year. And the fact that they have this guy who in early downs can play steadily is is enormously impactful. All right, so this leads us down the road here. After this Washington game, we've now seen two Terod Taylor games that have resulted in nine points and 14 points. Again, the lack of scoring, not all on Terod Taylor when you consider the fumble that Saquon had, but Daniel Jones has had some of those breaks go as well. Uh, there's a report, Jonathan Jones from CBS, saying no quarterback controversy. Dable poured cold water on that as well. I will fully tell you, I've been frustrated with Daniel Jones this year. But I also don't think I've seen enough from Terod Taylor. I feel like we are responding to insane defensive efforts. The fact that the Giants have now been really competitive. I think he's pushed the ball down the field, which is something that Daniel Jones has been scared to do. But I really would like to see Daniel Jones with a healthy Saquon again. Andrew Thomas coming back. I don't think that Terod Taylor has at least done enough in my mind to make me feel like there is a controversy. How do you feel? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the how low is the bar where we're like talking about this after a 14 point game, 14 points, right? Like what? We, that's well, a, everybody would all 22 film on Twitter. Oh, look what Terod does. Daniel. I, I mean, Daniel Jones has done enough of that. He did it versus Arizona too. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, yeah, right. And then he, he Tyrod Taylor or uh, Terod, I guess, however you pronounce it now, he played great uh, against a pretty great against a bad team. And, and so did Daniel Jones against the Cardinals. And now, right. Um, and, Here's a stat to remember. There's been just one game this season that the Giants have had Andrew Thomas, Daniel Jones, and Saquon Barkley together on the field. That was week one. Now, yeah. obviously, they got destroyed. But uh, And and health-wise, when you consider where Thomas got hurt, he legged out one quarter, really. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah, chasing down the, the blocked field goal. Um, and so if they can get all three of those guys back next week, I think Thomas probably will come back against the Jets. We know Barkley's back. Uh, we'll see on Jones. I think a lot of this obviously depends on will he be cleared for contact? It's not really up to him. Um, so will his, will it be a shorter leash when he comes back? I, I don't know. I mean, they invested in this guy, $82 million over two years. They have an escape hatch after 2024. Yeah. They need to see, they need to see something from him now and over the course and next year too. And like, let's be honest, if they draft high next year um, and they're terrible this year. Yeah. Do you take a quarterback in the first round? Or if he's there. Yeah. Round? And you really like a guy, yeah. you can't say no to that. Absolutely. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, right. And so it, the Eagles have shown like being bold at the quarterback position and drafting a guy before you feel like you're totally done with the other guy, which is what they did with Hurts and Wentz. It works. And right. so it can work. So, yeah, no, I, I don't. But in terms of the immediate future, um, no, I mean, Daniel Jones will be the starter when he comes back. But his any struggles he does have, particularly behind a more intact line and with Saquon Barkley, the spotlight will be on those a lot more, especially when they play a team like they play Washington. And again, he doesn't play well if they play Vegas again and he doesn't play well. Um, so we'll see what, what kind of line they're able to trot out there against a really, really good jet defense on Sunday. Do you think a lot of Daniel Jones struggles were like a mental thing where he was just getting beaten? And now as much as he's physically hurt, if he comes back, that mental reset, being able to sit back, see that the offense is pushing the ball down the field. I mean, is that the kind of thing you think maybe clicks with him and going, all right, deep breath, I could do this. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's been pressured on, he's been pressured 46% of the time this year, 46% of the time. That's untenable. Now you look at the number from the other day, Taylor's pressure rate was 33%. That's much more easy to deal with. The guy, Jones got hurt on his 16th sack in a two game stretch. It's you can't, that's not, you can't win that way. Uh, I don't care who the quarterback is. And so, um, yeah, I think if they're able to get Thomas back, that lets them kick pew inside the left guard. If they're able to get Schmitz back now, Schmitz, why wouldn't they have IR'd him if he's going to miss four games? Dable has said now he may not miss four games. He may not. So I asked Dable straight up, is this guy an IR candidate after the first or second game he missed? He said, no. Okay. So that to me says three games and back. Okay. So if he comes back, He's the center, Bredesen at right guard, Pew at left guard. Uh, oh, looks like a good Allison line at that point. Back. That's a line. Uh, right. And, uh, and by the way, not no offense to Evan Neal, the drop-off yeah. didn't feel extreme after Tyree Phillips spent six weeks played, in the Eagles system. He played well. He played well yeah. last year, too. So um, we'll see what they do there. But if you can have Thomas and Schmitz back, it lets you stop playing guys out of position and have a more intact line, which – if you're the Giants, hopefully leads to less than 46% pressure rate for your quarterback. I'm so glad you brought up the DJMS thing with the IR because I've thought this, and I understand that Andrew Thomas ended up having a setback with Seattle, but I yep. mean, we're, again, we're going on another four weeks since then too. Uh, and now Daniel Jones has missed two straight weeks. And I understand that gamesmanship can be involved with, oh, is a guy playing, is a guy not playing? But I, I got to be honest, Daryl, I have not loved the way Dable and the staff has handled the injuries in terms of, frankly, at times wasting spots. I mean, the fact that they do some roster maneuvering last week just seems so odd to me. Like, how could they be so off on timing on guys and not just saying, all right, this is a guy that's got to go to IR. Like, what is going on with this team this year with this? I think if Schmitz misses this game, that's a that's a question that has become big time. Um uh, I mean, the Thomas thing, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because he did miss, right? He missed the second game, the third game, and then leading into into week four against Seattle, um, he had the setback. So you right. can see how that would have been. He got thrown off his rehab track. With Schmitz, when the shoulder injury, I think it's a little more straightforward, right? I mean, you're not going to re-injure your shoulder while jogging, like potentially right. Thomas maybe did, right? So 
if he misses it, you kind of wonder like, what's the deal if he misses this game? I don't know if he will. Uh, we'll right. see. And we are taping this on Tuesday for anybody listening to this. Right. So we'll see what Brian Dable says tomorrow. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. But that definitely would put a spotlight on like, why didn't you IR this guy and, and get a spot um, if he's going to miss four games? So, and that would tell us too, if, if we really believe that, that they, that they feel these guys would be back within four weeks. Shouldn't yeah. we have optimism that Daniel Jones is going to get cleared for contact here? Yeah, like I mean, what? Now thirty two games down. Two games. So, um, you know, that's that. I I don't know. I mean, we don't. The the, the neck injury is so dependent on scan on the scans. I'm sure that the doctors are seeing right and how much he's able to like move his neck and all that. I don't know exactly what they do to base that uh, to 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 decide whether it's contact that he can get cleared for. But um, yeah, like I don't. If if he again, if he gets to the four game mark and he's still missing games, it's like, what are you doing here? Like, why why couldn't you shouldn't you have seen at least the possibility of this coming? Um, you know, obviously they they didn't want to commit to a four game absence, um, and so they're hopeful that it can be three or fewer. Okay, this is my last one. I'm going to give you on the Terod Daniel Jones thing. On that point, do you think at their core as an organization? Now again, they paid Daniel Jones that. Because, you know, they kind of feel like everything's calming a little bit with Tarot, even if they're not scoring, that they would pull a situation where let's hold Daniel Jones back as long as possible until we feel like, you know, we've jumped the shark here with Tarot and, and the wheels have fallen off a little bit with him. Or do you think that doesn't even play into their head at all? I, got, I, I thought where you were going with that was more along the lines of like, let's wait until the line is intact to bring Daniel Jones back. Well, that too. But if yeah. Andrew, Tom, I feel like I've always felt this way yeah. the last two weeks. They want Andrew Thomas back because that's like Daniel Jones's blankie. You know, it's like a kid's yeah. blankie. He yeah. loves that. But if Thomas is coming back, you know, and they don't bring Daniel Jones back this week, to me, we can talk about clear for contact, I, you know, whatever. I wonder if part of this is we do like the way things are going, but we could also hide behind this. He's not healthy yet without actually causing a controversy when there maybe is one. I don't think they'll do that. I think when he's cleared, he'll be back regardless of what the line is. Now uh, let's say Thomas isn't back this week for whatever reason, or, or he is and Schmitz isn't back. And so you, you're never going to have necessarily a perfect situation, but right. I, I think when he's cleared, he'll be back. Okay. Uh, I hope he is because I, I want to see him push the ball, and I am rubbing my hands together as a Giant fan here on Jet Week, Daryl. Now, that being said, because I'm not going to talk to you at the end of the week, the Jet fan chirps a lot. I don't know what you – did you grow up a Jet fan, Giant fan, or you cover the team now? How did you grow up? No, I grew up in upstate New York. I guess I was kind of a front-running Niner fan maybe. Okay, all and, right. And then more got into college football. But, yeah, no, I've, I've, I used to cover the Jets, and so I still follow them, obviously, very closely. Yeah. This and is, I, you know, I hear that I hear the confidence from over on that, you know, oh, for sure. Yeah, I want I want my quarterback in this game. I know they don't have theirs either. Um, do you think this defense is a real chance to make Zach Wilson wet himself here, Daryl? <laughs> well, the thing to remember is he's had two weeks to prepare, right? So Wink yeah. does blitz a lot. Now he hasn't blitzed a lot necessarily this year. They blitz more than any other team in the NFL last year, about forty percent of the time. They're like eleventh this year in blitz percentage, about thirty percent. So, but I, I do think a lot of that early on was not trusting the the corners on the back end, the young yeah, corners, and now sure. the last two weeks, I think he's trusting them way more. Yep, fair point. And uh, yes, I think that he'll throw a lot to try to confuse Zach Wilson because he has shown he's been able to be easily confused by pressure. But right. he's had a couple of weeks to prepare for what is kind of more of a unique defense. Um, will that help him? I don't know. I think they're going to try to run the ball as long as they possibly can with Brees Hall. Like it could be a 35 carry right. game for Brees Hall. Uh, take the ball out of Zach Wilson's hands, make the Giants stop the run. And I think that's perhaps where the, this game plan would be going for the Jets. 
Yeah, early returns say this game could easily be 9-6. All right, you can <laughs> check out Daryl Slater and the Star Ledger, NJ.com. Daryl, thanks so much, man, for joining us on One Giant Step. Sure, thanks for having me. All right, thanks to our producer, James. We'll drop a little preview pod at the end of the week. Catch me on Evan and Tiki weekdays, 2 to 6.25, free on the Odyssey app and on WFAN locally. And thanks to everybody for taking One Giant Step with us. <laughs>